0: So President Trump endorsed for the Senate seat in Pennsylvania that's coming up for election, he endorsed Dr. Oz for that seat. And when I first saw that President Trump endorsed Dr. Oz, this bothered me. And the more I thought about it, the more bothered I was. And because really, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why this should not only bother conservatives, this should actually infuriate conservatives, because Dr. Oz is not a conservative. And we're going to get to that in a second. But first and foremost because one of the biggest fears that Trump supporters have about the idea of President Trump running for election again in 2024 is the fact that he surrounded himself during his first administration in large part not entirely but in large part with idiots with suck-ups and with deep staters and personnel was 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 his biggest problem now let me let me caveat this by saying, I voted for Trump. I think Trump was a, a good president for the first three years of his administration. I liked what he did. Um, minus, of course, the fourth year. I did not I strongly disagree with his COVID policies, his pushing vaccines. Um, he bought into the COVID fear. He actually tried to dissuade Georgia from reopening um some months into COVID-19. So uh, aside from COVID, essentially. I think that that Trump was a a good president. I was happy with the way that he handled his presidency. He was a bull in a China shop in a swamp. I know that's mixing analogies, mixing metaphors here, where it was needed. But the biggest fear that I and many others like me have about President Trump running in 2024 is the fact that. The mistakes that he made, and let's just let's just not be vague about this, let's talk about COVID. The mistakes he made were really related to his personnel problem. And that that was the second problem with his presidency. The people who he surrounded himself with, if, if he hadn't surrounded himself with people like Fauci and with Burks, and you know, in his inner circle, if people had if he surrounded himself with people who had the courage to speak up and speak out and say, Mr. President, you know, these people are absolutely nuts. They're not only deep state, they are. Um, compromised by big pharma. They are, you know, the swampiest swamp creatures in the world. They are not giving you good science. They are lying for their own interests. You need to hear the truth, the science. You need to have alternative viewpoints here. People who are challenging the Fauci narrative. Um, Our country might be at a very different place. What Trump did with COVID is not a small mistake. It's not, it's not, it's not like the individuals who Look back at the beginning of the pandemic and say, yeah, I wish I hadn't worn a mask. I wish I hadn't you know, wiped off my groceries before I brought them in the house. I wish I hadn't bought into this fear. I, I see the light now. I don't think that we should have masking on airplanes or masking of children. I think that COVID-19 is endemic, that those who are at high risk are at high risk, and those who aren't at high risk aren't at high risk. Um, that's not not the same with Trump because Trump isn't just an individual. He was the president of the United States. This is a public figure. He has power and influence based on his office and he guided our country to a point where the electioneering that happened in the 2020 election was possible because of the place that we were in due to COVID policies, due to the fact that the electorate was so fearful of COVID-19, they were willing to either look the other way or just outright accept some of the Democrats' policies, like universal mail-in voting, you know, no no reason absentee, um, the degradation of signature verifications, all these different things that the Democrats did that led to the electioneering of the 2020 presidential election. This was this was in part due to the fear of COVID nineteen and um, how the Democrats took advantage of that. And Trump was in a position at the time where he could have turned that tide. He could have turned at least half the country, his supporters. Away from that, had he handled it differently, he could have he could have had an impact and an influence, and he chose not to. Again, in my opinion, in large part because he surrounded himself with idiots, suckups, and deep staters. And so, all this being said, I think a lot of Trump supporters their worst fear about Trump running again in 2024 is, did he learn his lesson? Is he going to make the same mistake again if he runs again, or even if he's president again if he wins that election? And to hear that President Trump endorsed Dr. Oz for Senate and then to hear the reasons why has caused, and rightly so, a lot of Trump supporters to feel disappointment and to say, well, our worry might in fact be a tangible, real worry. This might be reality because it looks like, it looks like President Trump has not learned his lesson that we can expect more of the same. But the thing is, this, this, this whole thing, Dr. Oz, potentially being in the Senate. This is bigger than President Trump. It's bigger actually than Oz himself. And that's what I want us to talk about tonight. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. I like relief band because it is all natural. And you know how I like natural remedies. There is no worse feeling than being nauseous. Did you know that one out of three Americans regularly suffer from nausea? It's super common. That's why you've got to check out Relief Band. Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with all kinds of things. Motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, as I mentioned, hangovers, morning sickness, chemotherapy, and so much more. Relief Band stimulates a nerve in your wrist that travels to the part of your brain that controls nausea then it blocks the signal that your brain is sending to your stomach telling you that you are sick. The product is 100% drug-free, non-drowsy, and provides all-natural, long-lasting relief with zero side effects for as long as you need. Right now, they've got an exclusive offer just for you, Liz Wheeler Show listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use my promo code Liz, you will receive 20% off, plus free shipping and a no-questions-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. It's the best offer you'll find for Relief Band anywhere, but you have to use my promo code. So, head to reliefband.com and use promo code Liz for 20% off free shipping. Reliefband.com, promo code Liz. Okay, so let's start with the endorsement, the endorsement, Trump's endorsement of Dr. Oz itself. It uh, I, I want to read this actually, because inherent to the endorsement um, are some things conservatives should consider in the years before 2024. This is what President Trump writes. He released this through his spokesperson, Liz Harrington. The President, or President Trump writes, quote, endorsement of Dr. Oz, this is all about winning elections in order to stop the radical left maniacs from destroying our country. Well there, sir, we are in agreement. The great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania has a tremendous opportunity to save America by electing the brilliant and well-known Dr. Mehmet Oz for the United States Senate. I have known Dr. Oz, Trump writes for many years, as have many others, even if only through his very successful television show. By the way, this is this is sort of the first red flag for me because one of the characteristics about President Trump, again, I think he was a good president. But one of the characteristics about President Trump that is sometimes unwise is um he 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 has an attitude of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours on a personal level and he applies that to politics where it should not it should not be applied. So um, maybe he respects Dr. Oz for his television show success. That's great. That doesn't mean that he should be endorsed for the United States Senate. But that, that's just sort of my first comment here. Trump goes, he has lived with us through the screen and has always been popular, respected, and smart. He even said I was in extraordinary health, which made me like him even more. Although he said I should lose a couple of pounds. Trump is hilarious, by the way. Just an objectively funny, funny person. However, this is also this is also not something that should be ap- applied to politics like this. Dr. Oz was never was never anti-Trump, he was not a never-Trumper, that's a good thing, Um, but President Trump shouldn't be endorsing someone based on a, a nice comment that they made about him, he should be endorsing him based on the principles that he holds. Then Trump says, Oz is a graduate of Harvard University and earned a joint MD and MBA from the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine and Wharton School of Finance. He has authored more than 350 original publications, written eight New York Times bestsellers, and received patents for developing medical devices that have improved countless lives and performed thousands of life-saving heart operations. Great, but I actually... <laughs> Uh, This might sound funny, but I actually don't care about his resume in that sense. I care about the principles that he will uphold in the United States Senate. So then Trump goes, Dr. Oz is pro-life, very strong on crime, the border, election fraud, our great military, and our vets. Tax cuts and will always fight for and support our under siege Second Amendment. I'm actually not going to interrupt myself to make each of these points. We'll get to them all in just a minute. Um, Trump says he will ensure America will become energy independent again. Dr. Oz also passionately believes in high-quality education and protecting parent involvement throughout the process. Perhaps most importantly, I believe that Mehmet Oz will be the one most able to win the general election against a radical left Democrat looking to do unthinkable harm to our country. Women in particular, Trump says, are drawn to Dr. Oz for his advice and counsel. I've seen this many times over the years. They know him, believe in him, and trust him. Not this woman. Trump says, likewise, he will do very well in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh where other candidates will just not be accepted. He knows his job is to serve every single Pennsylvanian. Dr. Oz is smart, tough, and will never let you down. Therefore, he has my complete and total endorsement. Good luck, Dr. Oz, our country needs you. So here's what I would say. Again, there are a couple of red flags in this endorsement, maybe the reasons why President Trump is endorsing Dr. Oz, and I'm not, I'm not, in general opposed to the idea of, a le- of of the lesser of two evils right so if dr oz was running against a very radical leftist you know i know i know she's not from pennsylvania but if he's was running against aoc then of course i'm i'm all in for dr oz right it doesn't matter if a candidate passes some some pu- ideological purity test if that candidate is is facing a marxist you just you just want the person that's going to be less Marxist uh, as le- as little Marxist as possible. So th- that I'm not opposed to the idea of the lesser of two evils. That's actually it's not only political science principle, it's human nature. It's human nature. I don't know that that applies here. Um, for a couple of reasons that we'll get to, in, a just, in just a second. But before we get to that, I think it's really important to talk about what Dr. Oz would be in the United States Senate, because Trump, in his endorsement, says that he's pro-life and strong on crime, the border election fraud, military vets, tax cuts, Second Amendment, energy independent education. And I, I don't think that any of that is true. I don't think that... I, I'm actually not sure why Dr. Oz is running as a Republican. I imagine, from my knowledge of campaigns, that he's run some sort of poll in Pennsylvania and has found that it... it It gives him a better chance of winning if he labels himself as a Republican versus a Democrat. But from a purely objective standpoint, looking at his record, looking at his opinions, Dr. Oz is actually more of a moderate Democrat. And it would have made more sense to me had he run in Pennsylvania as a moderate Democrat. But probably my speculation, my educated opinion, if you will, is that he ran a poll and found that um, he would do better as a Republican, probably as a referendum on the Biden administration, since Biden is a Democrat. But if this is the case, that tells you actually everything you need to know, that Oz chose which party to run as um, based on a poll and not based on principles. So let's talk a little bit about his history. Um, Let's start with pro-life. That's what Trump started with. So is is Dr. Oz pro-life? Well, as recently as 2019, Dr. Oz is not only not pro-life, he is peddling uh, the narrative um, of the abortion lobby.
1: The medical school in Philadelphia, and I saw women who'd had coat hanger events. Mm. I mean, they're really traumatic events that happened when they were younger, b- before Roe versus Wade. And they, many of them were harmed for life, emotionally discarding anyway. Right. And listen, I, I'm at a personal level, I, I wouldn't want anyone in my family to have an abortion. I, I told my kids this. I mean, I I love the I love the lives that they're creating so much that I that I personally wouldn't want it, but I don't want to interfere with everyone else's stuff because it's hard enough to get through life as it is. What I do know as a physician is if you're going to make it a if the litmus test is the heart's beating, then really make it the heart beating. Mm-hmm. Don't make some surrogate version of it mm-hmm. when you know cells are you know are you know having electrical path. That's that's not what that's not what the average person thinks. Right. The average person is envisioning a little acorn heart beating in there. That's not what's that's going not on. That's six weeks. And I think the. The, the the rule that, that most Americans seem to support is if the child was viable outside the womb, then you don't wanna kill that child.
0: So not only did he say that he supports abortion up until the point of viability, which as we know, viability does not determine humanity. Viability changes because viability is just our, the limit on our medical knowledge, how how limited we are in able to keep, in, in our ability to keep a baby alive outside of the mother's womb if that baby is born early. It has nothing to do with the humanity of that child or the rights of that child. But what's worse is what Dr. Oz said about the heartbeat. I mean, th- this is what we hear from like the Planned Parenthoods. This is what we hear from, from the very radical leftist feminists who want you to shout your abortion, that it's not a heartbeat. They know that when women walk in to the doctor and have an ultrasound and hear the tiny little heartbeat of their baby at six, seven, eight weeks, that that changes women's minds. That's why radical leftists, um, pro-aborts, are so opposed to any law that requires women to hear the heartbeat of their baby before they choose an abortion because they know when women hear that heartbeat, it changes their mind. And so what, what pro-aborts have done is they've, they've twisted this narrative. They say, what you're hearing actually isn't a heartbeat. It's just an electrical pulse. It's just, it's just the cardiac pull of the baby And my response to this is, isn't all of our heartbeat just an electrical pulse if you want to reduce it to that? I mean, it's the same sort of strawman argument that calling a baby a lump of cells. Like, we're all just a clump of cells, if you want to think of it in that kind of terms. Um, But the fact that Dr. Oz would not only say that he thinks abortion should be legal um, to the point of viability, but that that's not really a heartbeat, that that's a bad standard, that it's it's just electrical pulse. That I don't believe that he's pro-life. In other words, I just don't believe that he's pro-life. And here's the difference. I do believe in redemption. I do believe that you can change your mind. I applaud people when they have the humility and the open-mindedness to intake new information and change their mind. And so I don't I don't want what I'm saying to be misconstrued as, um, well, disbelief that people can change their mind. But let, let me tell you the difference. Here's the difference. So President Trump was once pro-abortion or pro-choice, and he switched to being pro-life, and I believe President Trump, the reason I believe it is because he had an actual conversion event, meaning when people asked him, they said the same thing to Trump, well, why should we believe you? You said that you you were a supporter of abortion just years ago, and he told a story. He's like, yeah, I changed my mind because a friend of mine um, got his girlfriend pregnant, pressured her to have an abortion, and she didn't have an abortion. And um, that child's the best thing that ever happened to him, and it, it just opened Trump's eyes. It opened his his mind and his heart to the fact that wow, we are aborting children who make such a difference in this world when we support abortion. He became he then became pro life. He also became more pro life when he realized the brutality of the abortion procedure all the way up through nine months of pregnancy. So these these conversion events they have to be a heart changing event um, in order for it to be believable. If you don't if you don't have an event, you were just pro abortion, and now you say you're pro life. Um, I hesitate to believe you, especially because Dr. Oz himself was asked, when do, you, when do you believe a human life begins? You know, he was asked on Fox News, when does life begin? And his answer, I mean, was beyond political, beyond vague
1: directly and one more Uh, on the issue of abortion. You were on The Breakfast Club in New York and you talked about some of these laws in Alabama, perhaps like the ones that are being adjudicated in Mississippi or in Texas. And I'd be curious, as a senator, how would you vote? What do you think the laws should be on abortion? I'm pro-life. I do believe in three exceptions, the health of the mother being the primary one, but rape and incest as well. And I would vote to ensure that if a judiciary is reviewing a, an abortion law, that they follow the Constitution. It's quite clear. That Alabama case is well, in point, uh, did not acc- include three exceptions. But Dr. Oz, that's currently, being, that's currently being debated at the Supreme Court. So setting aside the exceptions, which I appreciate, what about what is your position as both a doctor and a senatorial candidate on when life begins? When should we draw the line when abortion is is legal as a doctor i appreciate the sanctity of life and for that reason i'm strongly pro-life with the three exceptions i have mentioned that's how i would vote and when does that life begin you know again if i'm pro-life then it's a decision that comes back to the sanctity of when you think life does begin and i believe it begins when you're in the mother's womb when you're in the mother's womb but that that carries you all the way up to nine months of pregnancy no, of course not, life's already started when you're in your mother's womb. But it's a rat hole to get trapped in the different ways of talking about it. We need as a nation to make sure the Constitution is appropriately followed and people like me, and you may be in the same camp, who are pro-life have our feelings respected. And this is something that should not be taken away from us by judiciary legislating from the bench.
0: If you're pro-life and you believe that life begins at conception, you have zero problems saying that life begins at conception. And this isn't a, a rat hole. This is not a political rat hole. This is not going to alienate anyone. This is, I mean, in my opinion, this is Dr. Oz not believing that life begins at conception and not wanting to say so because he doesn't want, he doesn't want to say so. He doesn't believe life begins at conception. So I don't believe that Dr. Oz is particularly pro-life and I don't believe that someone can be personally pro-life and politically pro-abortion as he has stated in the past. So this is a pretty big problem. What's, An equally big problem is Dr. Oz's history on supporting the transgender transition of children. I like Genucel because it works for men and for women. Gentlemen, you know your wives use your razor. I've been doing this to my husband um, since we were dating. I'm not sure he knows about it to this day, unless it'll be a test to see if he listens to the show. And likewise, we ladies know that our husbands use our skincare products when we are not looking. All's fair in love and war. So let me introduce you to Genucel. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women until now introducing the new Genucel Serum with plant stem cell technology for under eye, bags, and puffiness. I like Genucel because it works quickly. Let me show you my two favorite products. These are my two favorite products. This is the Plant Stem Cell Therapy Anti-Wrinkle Treatment. That's what we have here. And here we have the new and improved Immediate Effects too. With Genucel's Instant Effects, you will see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. I guarantee it. If you order now, you can save big on Genucel's risk-free introductory offer. Just go to GenuCell.com slash Liz. That's spelled dot com slash Liz. Order now and use my promo code Liz to save an extra 10% off your order today. That is com slash Liz. Use promo code Liz. So it's not just abortion that Dr. Oz is certainly not a conservative. What's more troubling is his position on transgender transitions of children.
1: This show is going to be controversial for a lot of people, challenging your beliefs about what it means to be male or female. The word you'll hear today is transgender, transgender. It describes people whose sex on the outside doesn't match who they are on the inside. Now imagine your child is transgender. What would you do? Our lives as parents are first defined by the words, it's a girl or it's a boy. Could you make a decision to let your child live as the other sex even alter their body? It's an area of intense debate. Today you'll meet families coping with this astonishing reality. What does it mean to be a boy? What does it mean to be a girl? Those two simple questions are infinitely complex and gut-wrenching for parents of children who are born transgender. Transgender shakes up all of our ideas about what makes us male or female. Does gender come from our anatomy or from our thoughts and feelings? While science looks for answers, what are parents of transgender children to do? More and more parents, like Josies, are allowing their children to live as the opposite sex. In some cases, they're going as far as providing hormone blockers to prevent the onset of puberty, to buy their children more time to figure out the next step. Others heed the warning of psychiatrists who caution that children who may be transgender don't always grow up to be transgender adults. There's no easy answer. With science and psychology only starting to explore this complex subject, what's the right way to nurture a transgender child? And when did you recognize that Josie was transgender?
0: It was during a regular well-baby exam. The pediatrician was looking at her. He got really quiet and just sort of watched her for a while. And he brought up a term, gender identity disorder. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, what's that? He said, you know, like, transgender. I was like, could you spell that for me? I had no idea what he was saying.
1: That's when you learned about it? That is. How are you, Josie? Good. She has a lot of spark to her, I gotta say. She does indeed. <laughs> do you remember when your parents thought you were a boy? A little bit. Talk, talk to me about that a little bit. What do you remember?
0: Like, how did it make you feel when I used to take you and get your hair cut off at the barbershop on base?
1: It made me very angry. Mm-hm, you did <laughs> not like your haircut. Why not? Because I'm a girl, not a boy.
0: Yeah. I almost, when I first saw this video, I Was so horrified, and we'll get to the Dr. Oz part of this for a second, but I was so horrified because this is what I've been warning about when I've been talking about pediatricians being corrupted by ideological interests and ideological agenda and financial conflict of interest. Because did you hear what this mother said? This mother actually said her pediatrician suggested this during a well baby visit, a regular well baby visit. That means a child under two years old. A pediatrician looks at this mother and suggests that her baby is transgender. I mean, talk about groomer parent, pediatrician, um, grooming a parent into being a groomer parent. This is, it's so sad. It's so awful. And the mother just listened to the pediatrician, becomes a groomer parent. When the child is asked, um, uh, do you remember when you were a boy or when your parents thought you were a boy? She, this, no, I'm not saying she, he, this child, looked at his mother and his mother fed him what to say. His mother said, yeah, we transitioned you because you didn't like getting your hair cut. What little boy likes getting their hair cut? You have ruined your child's life. You have mutilated their body. You have psychologically abused them. You've denied them their God-ordained destiny based on A, normal behavior for a little child and B, a groomer pediatrician. This broke my heart and what was worse, and this is how it ties into Dr. Oz, obviously, is he calls this child by female pronouns, not by male pronouns, and um, just asks the question, do you remember when your parents thought you were a boy? This is validating behavior. This is not the question of someone who is concerned about the well-being of this child. This is not the question of someone who thinks that this is child abuse. This is the question of someone who's okay with the transition, the gender transition of children. And this episode aired a long time ago. This was not recent. He called it cutting edge surgery. He made a scientifically medically incorrect um, statement or comment about uh, hormone therapy, stopping puberty and being reversible and not harming and None of that is true. This this is so deeply troubling what we hear from Dr. Oz, especially when the transgender ideology is the culture war of this year. It is the cultural battle that is being fought right now. And this man wants to go to the United States Senate and he wants our confidence that he will fight this battle. Why on earth would we have that confidence? Because his, his track record and his history shows that he's been supportive of transgender transitions for little children. He's validated them and supported them and indulged this delusion even when little children's bodies and minds have been abused in the process. This is so abhorrent to me, so abhorrent. This is absolutely disqualifying um, for anybody, to any candidate who wants to be a United States senator, but certainly for someone who's running as a Republican. And that's not all. That's transgender ideology. Then we have critical race theory. So as we watch this, I want to just read a little bit of of what Dr. Oz tweeted. This is put out by Dr. Oz's show, which means that not only did he tweet it, he endorses it. He said, COVID-19 illuminates how discrimination drives health disparities among black people. This is video of Black Lives Matter protests. Um, He says, nationwide protests over the killing of George Floyd at the hands of the Minneapolis police have sparked a national conversation about systemic racism and police brutality. He said, but according to a report from STAT, a health and medicine news organization affiliated with the Boston Globe, the effects of systemic racism have long been prevalent in the medical field, creating disparities in the health outcomes of black people. This is the language of critical race theory, by the way. He goes on to say, according to STAT, black people are more likely than white people to die from cancer or more likely to suffer from things like diabetes and depression, and black mothers are more likely to die during childbirth. Again, just wait until he gets to the real the real language of critical race theory. The air you breathe, he quotes, the food you eat, the visual representations of what your future will look like are all distorted by structural racism. There's the phrase that that should trigger us: structural racism. This is a phrase used if you accept the premise of critical race theory that America is is so corrupted with racism that we were built on racism to the point that um, there's institutional racism in every aspect of our culture, every aspect of our governmental institutions, to the point that it all needs to be torn down, that it delegitimizes the United States. That's what, that's how the phrase structural racism is used by the left. And he goes on to say the COVID-19 pandemic has only exacerbated these these disparities. And then he says, people of color are more likely to die from COVID. Um, But this is is quoting, Kamara Phyllis Jones, an epidemiologist, but he's quoting her, which means he's endorsing what she's saying. She says, what we're seeing here is the direct result of racism. That's the thing that's slapping us in the face. Actually, it's lashing us like whips. Racism. So again, critical race theory. This is is the principles of critical race theory. Um, A policy statement, he says, published last year by the American Academy of Pediatrics, LOL, American Academy of Pediatrics, illustrated how racism itself is a core cause of health problems, not race. Racism itself, not race. So as you can see, this, this is Dr. Oz embracing the principles of critical race theory. He's quoting um, he, he's quoting and endorsing comments that use the phraseology associated with this racialized Marxism, structural racism. Racism is the cause of health problems. And at the very end of this video, he um, he. He advocates for a solution to this. His solution are coincidentally leftist political agenda items like uh, pay gaps and diversity quotas. And he wants us to think that he's gonna be a conservative Republican. I, I would love if he's a conservative Republican, but I don't know why I should believe that when he hasn't been a conservative Republican in the past. He hasn't been, he hasn't been a conservative on abortion, on transgender, on critical race theory, or on gun laws. He's advocated for red flag laws um, based on people's social media posts.
1: A little bit, because the issue of being anonymous is, for me, vital. If someone's already dangerous, a coworker, you don't want to make yourself a target by telling everybody, "Hey, I think you're dangerous," right? So, like, well, would, would, I th- how many of you would be more comfortable if it was anonymous? Yeah. So I think part of the hope I gather is that we'll make a, a system so that I can call in and say, "I." there's evidence besides my testimony that this person is dangerous look at their facebook feed or social media postings or comments they've made to other coworkers besides me do a little investigating i'm alerting you putting a little red flag up there saying this person's a concern then i would hope that all the states would say well if there's obvious evidence you're pointing us to it you don't have to get involved personally is that what's going to eventually happen hopefully in, in most states
0: anonymous reports based on your social media history. And don't get me wrong. There are a lot of states that have very legitimate laws for if someone is um, committing a crime verbally, right? If you know that someone has posted, I am going to come kill you, that's against the law in many states, or I am going to use a firearm to murder you. That's against the law in many states. That's a criminal threat. But the idea that you could could report someone anonymously based on what they're posting on social media and that that could cause police to investigate is terrifying given the fact that liberals think that ownership of firearms or pride in firearms or, um, photographs at the shooting range are signs that, uh, that, you are potentially a mass shooter. They think even skin color is a sign that you could be a mass shooter. The left would obviously weaponize this. It, it is one of their ways of trying to assault our second amendment rights. And Dr. Oz is supporting this, even though there are obvious problems with this, that there's no due process inherent to many of these red flag laws that are proposed, it's not a matter of, oh, this person's committed a crime, they're being charged with a the crime, um, they're being tried for it, and they're being found guilty or not guilty, that, that the, the penalty or essentially the conviction happens before there's any due process, and that is unconstitutional. But again, leftists don't care about con- the Constitution, don't care about due process, and clearly neither does, neither does Dr. Oz. We also, we also have just misinformation related to the same topic, but about gun violence as it relates to uh, the CDC studying gun violence. So Dr. Oz tweeted, he tweeted right now the CDC. Is not funded to study gun violence in this country. It's time we treat shootings as a public health problem. Contact your congressperson today to demand that they fund the CDC to comprehensively study gun violence. So, a couple of things here. First of all, they're actually, the CDC actually is allowed to study gun violence and they do. The reason that you don't hear about this is twofold. Um, First of all, the CDC did lose some funding related to the study of gun violence because the CDC was abusing that money and they were using that to push their political agenda, which was uh, assault weapons bans and gun control. So Congress said, nope, you are not allowed to use taxpayer money to uh, formulate a liberal agenda here. You are only allowed to study um, objectively. You're just allowed to run studies. You're not, to, you're not allowed to be a political apparatus here. Um, and the left, of course, deliberately misconstrued this. They deliberately misrepresented this to people and said, oh, Republicans don't want the CDC to study gun violence. No, no. The CDC is allowed to study gun violence. They are not allowed to be liberal political activists with your tax dollars. That's the first thing. Second thing is under the Obama administration, they actually did conduct studies about gun control or other mechanisms for addressing gun violence. That does happen in our nation. No one's denying that it happens. Um, The argument, of course, is what we should do to stop it and how we protect people's right to keep and bear arms while also keeping our communities safe. And the Obama administration, um, or the CDC under the Obama administration, found that gun control does not materially change, um, change the outcome or the level of gun violence, and of course, most people didn't hear about this because the Obama administration didn't want to announce this because this was contradictory of their gun control agenda. So um, Dr. Oz is buying into, I don't know which one, maybe he's buying into the liberal narrative that the CDC is not allowed to study gun violence. Maybe, he's, uh, maybe he wants the CDC to be liberal political activists. Maybe he is ignoring the Obama administration's report. I don't know, but this is factually incorrect and what he's advocating for doesn't match reality. Um, it also doesn't match reality how he has pushed for the COVID vaccine, actually publicly pressuring people to get the vaccine. Now, I like Echelon Fitness because it helps me work out at home and stay with it, which is my challenge. It's hard for me to get to the gym. Well, Echelon Fitness brings the gym home to me, which helps tremendously. With world-class instructors and a community of hundreds of thousands of people, Echelon Fitness gives you a workout experience Well, that works. Echelon Fitness is the affordable way to get the workout equipment, the workout community, and an instructor's motivation right in the comfort and privacy of your own home. With Echelon Fitness, you can work out anytime, day or night, and you can crush your fitness goals. Echelon Fitness's full range of affordable workout equipment, this includes stationary bikes, smart rowers, sleek fitness screens, and the auto-folding treadmill are all connected to provide the Echelon Fitness experience. My personal favorite is the bike because, you know, I can, get on, I can get on locals, I can get on Twitter, I can troll the news while I'm working out. One membership covers a family of five and right now for a limited time, you can get up to $650 off MSRP. To get this exclusive offer, this discount, text LIZ to 818181, text LIZ to 818181 to get up to $650 off MSRP. Uh, mandatory disclaimer here, message and data rates may apply, see terms for details. So the COVID vaccine, Dr. Oz has, I will give him credit, he has not been a COVID crazy. He has not. He, at the very beginning of the pandemic, um, said he didn't think that it would be that big of a deal. He he looked at the infection fatality rate and um, he was never a COVID paranoid and has never been in favor of the draconian lockdowns that the left has imposed on us. I give him credit for all of that. That sets him apart in a lot of ways from a lot of candidates, even Republican candidates. However, however, he has pressured people to get the COVID vaccine using the Faucian talking points.
1: Are you planning on getting your vaccine? No. 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 I don't trust it. I've never gotten the flu shot either, though, and you and I have talked about that, and several of the doctors on my team talked to me about, Wendy, we'll get the flu shot. I've never had the flu. I'm not getting a flu shot. I very rarely get a cold. I never have headaches. I don't take an aspirin because I feel my heart murmur or something like that. I'm not getting... No, I don't trust it. There, I said it. Yeah. So let me go back to vaccines for a second, because what you say and believe is so important. To a lot of people. I mean, millions and millions of Americans are going to say, Wendy Williams didn't get a vaccine, so I don't want to get a vaccine. So let me just ask you if there's anything that could happen that would make you feel comfortable. 10 million people get vaccinated without a problem. Your neighbor gets vaccinated. A sibling, your son gets vaccinated. Someone that's dear to you gets vaccinated and does well. That might make you think, you know, just to get past the hassle of having to lie on my back recovering from COVID-19 or maybe not recovering. Uh, is not worth the risk that I might actually consider this vaccine. I'm not getting the vaccine.
0: That's rather off-putting, isn't it? This this is this is the public health uh, the public health talking points that it's not about you; it's about other people. And I don't like this. I don't think a lot of people like to feel pressured to undergo a medical procedure that they don't want to undergo, especially when we are functioning adults who can rationally make this determination for ourselves based on our risk. It's patronizing and it's condescending for, well, for Dr. Oz to talk to Wendy Williams the way that he, that he spoke to her. Um, I don't like that. You can make the decision for yourself, but this to me shows that he has a paternalistic attitude towards medicine and I would not want a politician in a position of power to think, well, I know better than other people. These people are wrong. Therefore, I'm going to craft policy that either encourages or coerces, if not forces people to do what I think that they should do to their bodies. I don't like that. That's a huge red flag to me. Um, and, and Dr. Oz has proved in the past that he is in favor of paternalistic healthcare models. He's He's been a huge proponent of Obamacare um even before obamacare he was in favor of health insurance mandates um where you are forced to buy health insurance or you face a penalty he's he's been in favor of a public option um after obamacare passed he he was basically like let's put the politics aside now which is easy for a rich person to say when he wasn't the one slammed with those incredibly high premiums those impossible deductibles and the poor quality and poor access to care um easy for him to say and he actually promoted enrollment in obamacare um but perhaps what's worst of all when it comes to Dr. Oz's philosophy on healthcare is the fact, or is what he said about Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton's healthcare, um, her healthcare agenda.
1: But you cannot have a wealthy nation without a healthy nation. It can't be done. Senator Clinton, one of the smartest people I've ever met, is absolutely right that we have to have affordable healthcare for all.
0: Ooh. Hillary Clinton, the smartest person I've ever met. Oh, yikes. There's a campaign ad right there for anybody who wants to run against Dr. Oz. Um but in all in all seriousness, just as it narrowly relates to health care, Hillary Clinton was a proponent of basically socialized health care called Hillary Care before Obamacare became Obamacare. And that is what Dr. Oz was saying that he supports too. We all know how socialized healthcare systems work. On, on the extremes or places like Cuba, where they have this, this, this two-tier healthcare system where the rich people, the connected people, the politically connected people, go to other countries to get their healthcare, and the, and the poor people, the regular people, have to go to hospitals where there's no medication, they, they have to bring their own pillows and blankets to the emergency room um instruments surgical instruments are rusty there's there's no there's little access to care it's poor quality of care i mean th- that's the that's the extreme on on the on the good side of socialized healthcare maybe like what we see in britain surgeries are canceled there was there were thousands and thousands of surgeries that were canceled in britain by the government because the government didn't want to pay for them and so even though these were quote unquote elective surgeries think about what an elective surgery is an orthopedic surgery that you need because you're injured can be an elective surgery it's it's not it shouldn't be up to government bureaucrats and and their um and their wallets to determine whether a surgery for you is necessary or not necessary but under these these types of public options or government run systems or socialized healthcare whatever you want to call it that Dr. Oz supports government bureaucrats are in charge of your healthcare and not you. Um that's a very that's a very scary thing. But as I said this 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 whole thing is actually it's bigger than President Trump, it's bigger than, you know, why he would endorse, why he would endorse Oz or why it's a problem or why it causes Trump supporters to fear that he's not learned his lesson regarding personnel surrounding himself with Um, idiots and maybe how that would manifest in 2024. It's bigger than Dr. Oz himself. It's bigger than the fact, the reality that Dr. Oz is not a conservative. Um, It's bigger than that because what we're seeing right now in the United States Senate, um, particularly with the confirmation of Ketanji Brown-Jackson, is we're seeing a lot of squish Republicans in the Senate and these squish Republicans, unfortunately, are very, very powerful people. Not not in the traditional um, way that senators are ranked in the hierarchy, which has a lot to do with fundraising. But in the sense that um, if we have squishy Republicans who aren't willing to fight the cultural battles when these battles are difficult, then they become the deciding vote whenever there is a close call, whenever there is a contentious debate, whenever there is, I don't know, a confirmation vote on, on a Supreme Court nominee like Ketanji Brown Jackson. So take take Mitt Romney, for example, Mitt Romney did not want to. He did not want to be the target of false liberal accusations that voting against Ketanji Brown Jackson was racist. He didn't want to. He didn't want to engage in this cultural battle that says, "Yeah, if you look at Ketanji Brown Jackson's record, she absolutely was lenient on child sex offenders, and we have to be fighting this fight." She absolutely served on a board of a school that taught. that taught critical race theory, at least the principles of critical race theory, to teeny tiny children, to kindergartners. Her jurisprudence is absurd. Her jurisprudence is contradictory of the very foundation of our country, that, that men have natural rights, unalienable rights given to them by God. She has no position, she says, on whether, whether or not people have natural rights, whether they possess natural rights. And this came down to whether or not she's on the Supreme Court. She is on the Supreme Court now. It came down to not Democrats, not Republicans as a whole, it came down to these very squishy Republican senators, Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins. And therefore these squishy Republicans become the most, not just influential, but the most powerful senators in our entire country. And think about this, think about this for a second. Think about what Dr. Oz would be like if he were in the Senate. Do you have confidence that Senator Oz would fight these cultural battles? Do you have confidence that Senator Oz would have voted no on the nomination of Katanji Brown Jackson? Do you have confidence that he would have rejected the identity politics premise that was thrown at him by the left and he would have voted like, um, like Senator Tim Scott did, based on ideology and jurisprudence, not based on the mainstream media attacks against him? Do you have confidence that he would actually stand up to difficult, stand up for difficult pro-life legislation? Do you have confidence that he would stand up to protect children from the transgender ideology? Do you have confidence that he would protect your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms? Do you have confidence that he would protect your medical freedom when it comes to COVID-19 vaccines? Do you have confidence that he would protect your right to make choices about your own healthcare and not give those to government bureaucrats? Because when I see Dr. Oz's past history, his comments and his records, his advocacy, when I see what his ideology holistically is in his life, and I compare that to the really difficult cultural battles that we're fighting, and that we need our senators, our Republican senators, to fight in the Senate, I have no confidence that Oz would be any different than Romney. He would just be the Romney of Pennsylvania, the Romney of Pennsylvania, and we don't want that. We don't want that. In fact, th- this is a problem that is obvious when we talk about Katanji Brown Jackson. But I was, I was, I we did a show. Verdict with Ted Cruz podcast. We did a show at Yale this week, and the senator, Senator Cruz, was talking about how he and his team were fighting solo against Katanji Brown Jackson because generally how it works is the lobbying organizations for the conservative judicial movement spend a lot of money and they spend a lot of money on these judicial nominees and the, the opposition to judicial nominees by doing research on the jurisprudence, on the records of these individuals, and then. Creating a, a a communications campaign or a marketing campaign, really, to educate not only um, the senators who are going to be voting for or against these judicial nominees, but also the public, the constituents of these senators, the senators are representing. And Senator Cruz was saying that the Republican judicial movement or this lobby was unwilling to engage in this fight to try to stop the confirmation of Ketanji Brown Jackson, based on ideology, of course, not on uh, not on racial identity, obviously, and. This is, it's unsurprising to me, but it is so infuriating to me to see Republicans and conservatives refuse to fight a fight when Katanji Brown-Jackson on the Supreme Court is going to be shaping our country for the next 30 years, probably. The, the next decades of our country are going to be shaped by a woman who doesn't think, she has no position on whether people possess natural rights, which is bananas, bananas. And I warned about this, or... We talked about this, I should say, a couple months ago when I said conservatives don't want to waste political capital, or Republicans, not conservatives. Republicans don't want to waste political capital, it seems, on Ketanji Brown-Jackson because they're worried about being attacked. They're worried about what, how the mainstream media and the left might name-call them, and they just don't want to fight this fight because um, it's a liberal justice replacing a liberal justice. And I said, no, this is so... This is so wrong. You have to be willing to fight the cultural battles that matter the most. And that means taking a winning attitude, rejecting the premise of the left, rejecting the falsehood that if you vote against Ketanji Brown Jackson, that makes you racist and actually attacking her jurisprudence, her philosophy and her record, which are eminently attackable and absolutely appropriate to bring up at a hearing over her qualifications for this seat on the Supreme Court. And Senator Cruz confirmed this when he said, no, these, these judicial apparatuses, these conservative, this conservative money was unwilling, um, unwilling to fight. And we do not need another Republican who is unwilling to fight. Another Republican who we can't have confidence that they will, that they will stand strong and that they will stand up for our principles and re- represent our rights against the strength and the conniving and the dirty tactics that the left throws at us every single day. We don't want Republicans who crave the validation of Marxists. And I'm not confident that Dr. Oz would not be that person. So the question then is, what are our other options? Who do we vote for? Who do the people of Pennsylvania vote for if if not Dr. Oz in this primary? And what's interesting is a lot of people in the Trump orb endorsed other candidates. They did not endorse Dr. Oz, which is interesting. I'm talking Kellyanne Conway, Stephen Miller. They did not endorse Dr. Oz. Um, what's also interesting is what's happened in Pennsylvania, the reason Dr. Oz got into this race is because the, the previous candidate who had been endorsed by the way, by President Trump first, Sean Parnell, he dropped out of the race due, I think he's going through a divorce. There was, there was some accusation from his wife about abuse. I have no idea the details of this, no idea the truth to this. Um, it seemed very nasty to me and Sean Parnell dropped out of the race. Again, Trump had endorsed him first because he is very conservative. Um, but Sean Parnell actually called out President Trump when President Trump then endorsed Dr. Oz for this seat and Sean Parnell says listen this guy Dr. Oz is not America first this is not the endorsement that you should that you should be making um and like I said people around Trump people around Trump agreed with Sean Parnell and said this is not this is not the the endorsement that we should be making this is not who conservatives should rally behind so who are the other options um, what I will say to this is, we are going to explore the other options. So stay tuned for this. We are going to um, we are going to be a big part of what's happening in Pennsylvania because while we have a pretty good chance of taking back the House in 2022, historically the party that holds the White House loses a significant number of seats in the House of Representatives during that first midterm election. The Senate, it's going to be a nail biter. The Senate is going to be very close. Um, whether Republicans take back the Senate, whether it's by one, whether it's by two, whether it's by three, every single seat needs to be protected. Every seat needs to be fought for and we need to make sure that we have strong conservatives. So like I said, we are going to explore these other options. Stay tuned for that. Um, Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay, Executive Producer Chad Abbott, Director of Photography Kevin McRoberts, Editor Alejandro Figuerilla, Sound Mixer Robin Fenderson, Director of Marketing Emily Washler, Production and Talent Coordinator Matt Toffler, and Senior Publicist Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront Production.